And just as I was preparing this, uh, this message this week, I heard a story that I really liked and, um, in regards to the heart. And today's topic, I just want to hit, hit about uh, generosity, generosity. And if you're visiting here today, uh, you're going to think, okay, this is another me- message about money or giving, and that's not what it is. This is, uh, is going to be a message about the new heart and generosity. And what, is, what does generosity really look like? How many of you, just with a raise of hand, how many of you grew up in a church? Just raise your hand. Like, grew up in a very churched environment. Okay. Um, I, on and off, did and did not. And so everything when I read the scripture is so new and so fresh in many ways that uh, sometimes we take for granted when you say a word in a message, people hear something and they associate a feeling to that word. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, when you say the word uh, anointing, somebody may have an association with that word anointing or another word repentance. There may be a positive or negative emotion um, tied to that word. So we always have to go to the scriptures and really understand what is the Bible saying about these words. And so generosity is just an amazing word. And I think that this is a word, generosity or giving, is a word or a characteristic about us as a believer that really, truly show us how do I understand the gospel and how do I understand the grace of God. And so these two scriptures, Habakkuk and the book of Luke, uh, it seems like two different verses talking about two different things, but they are very much tied to each other. And this morning I want to just give you my outline. It's four things I want to talk about this morning so that you know the path of the message. First of all, I just want to define the heart. What is the heart? We're going to be talking about that this month. Then I want to, number two, I want to define generosity. What is generosity? What does generosity look like in the Bible? Number three, in the message, I'm going to take a sharp left turn into human depravity. And then we're going to take a sharp right turn into the gospel. Does that make sense? And then we're going to conclude, number four, with a case study. We're going to look at an example in the Bible. And that's where Luke chapter 19 with Zacchaeus comes in. I love the story of Zacchaeus. I love this It just shows to me so much the gospel and the grace of God. But first of all, let's define the heart. When we talk about the heart, what are we talking about? The heart is that part of us that is the center. It is the engine of our soul. If you look at a car, I like cars. I talk about cars a lot. You can tell I'm a guy. I always use car illustrations Cars have engines, and if the engine's not, you could have a great-looking car, but if the car is, if the engine is not in great shape, then the car is not going to last very long. The same thing with your heart. If your heart and my heart are not in a good, healthy place, if it's not established in the grace of God, then our whole, our whole soul is sick. The heart is the soil. You can imagine it as soil that a tree is planted in. What is that tree? It's the soul. The soul has five parts to it, and we'll talk about that at another time. The five parts of your soul are rooted into the soil of the heart. And the condition of the heart feeds the condition of the soul. From the heart, we know the, back, the book of Matthew tells us that from the heart comes our, all of our communication. It comes, it, it comes <coughs> the thought life. It, all, all of our emotions are, are coming from there. And so it's very important to understand what is the heart 
in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, and our church is kind of a foundational verse that God promises the nation of Israel in a very difficult time in Ezekiel 36, 26. He says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone. I'll remove that heart of stone. And this is an act of God. God is removing the heart of stone from your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. What does a heart of flesh mean? Heart of flesh means it's a sensitive heart. It's a heart that can be broken. It's a heart that has not been hardened by the abuses and the victimhood and the disappointments and the betrayal of life. The new heart that God wants to put into us. And this is a new heart that he has put into us at the point of salvation. When you and I received Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, he gave you a new heart and he gave you a new spirit. It's not a spirit of this world, but it's a spirit from God. And it's a new heart. It's the heart of God. And I think that this is the great, one of the greatest mysteries of the church today is that people, we, myself, do not fully understand the heart of God. And when we don't understand the heart of God, it impacts every part of our theology. By the way, to have, we must have good theology because that theology affects the way you make decisions in your life. Is that, is that clear? What we believe is going to impact the decisions and how I talk to my wife or how do I talk to my kids or how I live as a single person. And so the heart is so important. And that's defining the heart. Let's define generosity. What is generosity? I want to take a couple minutes with this. Generosity, and we don't have time to look at these verses this morning, but Deuteronomy 26, verses 1 through 11. And if you're taking notes, just write those verses down because... Read them later. If I could give you homework in church, is that, is that allowed? Can we give you homework in church? <laughs> I just did. Read Deuteronomy 26, verses 1 through 11. Just read that. Sometime during halftime when you have that today on the Super Bowl. Today's the Super Bowl. When that crazy show, I don't even know who's performing today. I just know the, the Pats are playing and the Eagles are playing. During the halftime, you can just hit mute and just read those verses. Build yourself up. By the way, I have to confess... I do. I like the, the Patriots. I know there's a lot of hatred going out there for the Patriots. I don't really talk about, but there's other Pats fans here. And, uh, but also like the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'll tell you why. Because I, Wes and I and some of us, we pastored in a church in Philadelphia. And the Eagles fans, uh, they're ruthless. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you play for the Flyers or for the Eagles or for their baseball team and you lose your life is in danger. These fans are going to trash you. And so if the, if the, if the if I know that Miss Daphne's out here. She is a devoted Pats fan. Do not touch the Pats with, with her and her, uh, well, her husband, I think, is Texan fan. Way to go, Texan fan. I said to Miss Daphne, I said, Daphne, I don't really talk about the Pats publicly because this is Texas. I just say, go Texans. And she goes, you're such a politician. <laughs> And so what was I saying? Half time, read these verses, okay? Deuteronomy 26, verses 1 through 11, and 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. These are verses that tell us what giving is. I'll give you a hint. How many of you have heard a message about cheerful giving? And it's like, okay, cheerful giving. And I want to I just define this. I want to drill down a little bit. And I want to release a few concepts that we have so we can be set free in God's mind. Because knowing God means that we're redefining some words because what? Words create thoughts, right? Words create thoughts. The words that you and I digest 
are going to create thoughts. It's going to impact our heart. And so there's three characteristics of a biblical giver. The first two are going to be tough, and the last one is going to be great. First of all is sacrificial giving. The Bible talks about sacrificial giving, not just out of a surplus, but giving to the point where it's, it's impacting my life, it's hitting my life, it's hitting me where it hurts. The second thing is joyful giving, not just out of duty, but joyful giving. And thirdly, gracious giving. We're going to go over these, each one individually. Gracious giving with no strings attached. I'm giving and I'm cutting any strings to that gift. And so let's look at that. These are three characteristics of a, of a, of a biblical giver. When we look at the book of Habakkuk, this, the, the verses that we read at the beginning, this is a book about evil times, how to live in evil times. I think it's a great book for today. It's a book that describes how to live when there's war and when there's pestilence, disease, economic disaster. Or they may be even t- evil times when, whether they're in society or just in our own personal life, when there is a period of just badness. There are going to be times in our life where we just hurt. It seems like we are under the dominion of the old sin nature. That's going to happen to us. Sometimes we're going to be like, man, you know, I am fighting the good fight of faith, but I'm losing. And sometimes we're going to feel that way. And the book of Habakkuk talks about this. And it, re- and it relates to generosity in this way. This is the prevalent thinking today. Like, if you look at the evil times that we live in, I think we're going to come out of recession. I'm not, a, not, I'm not an econ, economist, but it seems like I just read the other day that the United States is producing more oil and gas than it ever has. It looks like, I mean, you can tell at the pump. Every time we, I don't know if you notice the prices going up with the gas, okay, that the prices are going up because business is starting to boom. But in evil times, the prevalent thinking is, there's a surplus in my house and in my funds and in my, in my, in my resources, and I'm going to give away my money. But here he's talking about, in the book of Habakkuk, he's talking about an economic disaster. He's talking about an economic difficulty. Israel at the time is under a lot of pressure because of the evil conditions of where they were at at the time. They were under an economic disaster. He's talking about uh, figs and grapes and olives and grain. And these are, these are the four um, characteristics, or these are the four commodities that were basic in their economy at the time. And without these, the, the, the next two that are listed won't exist, sheep and cattle. These four commodities defined the standard of living for Israel at the time. And at this time here, there's no grapes, there's no figs, there's no grain, and there's no olives. And that was, a, that was a catastrophe. And that meant that the sheep and the cattle were not going to make it. And if there's no sheep and there's no cattle in the stalls, then there's no wealth. Here, Habakkuk is writing these words when there's an economic, e- economic crisis. There's no, there's no harvest at the time of first fruits when Israel was supposed to be giving. And so let's look at this. When the Bible talks about, and this is what Habakkuk is saying. He's saying that, he's saying, in this time, I'm going to rejoice in my God and my Savior. And so there's three characteristics here. 
that he's talking about sacrificially, joyfully. Sacrificially means, of course, it just means that I'm giving until everything is, I'm giving everything that I have. And it's not just God, us giving God our leftovers, but it's cutting into my life and it's altering the way I live. Is this getting a little, how do you like the message so far? It's going to get better, okay? The second characteristic is joyful. It's very interesting. If you read Deuteronomy chapter 26, these verses 1 through 11, it doesn't say, it doesn't, the Bible's not allowing you just to give. And I, we can talk about giving our time. We can talk about giving our money. We can talk about giving our resources. I'm not just talking about money here. You weren't allowed just to give in the offering plate in Deuteronomy 26. You had to worship while you were doing it. If you read those verses, it's very interesting. You're supposed to worship as you're doing it. And it's like, whoa, I'm supposed to be worshiping while I'm doing this. Because in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives us a little hint. He says, he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this is where we're going to, this is where we're going to take a turn into the gospel. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. Because whatever our heart most treasures will be where our money goes most effortlessly. Wherever my heart is, is where just my money is just going to go flowing into. Amen? Amen. I mean, there's stuff that I like. I'm not, I like technology, and I can very easily spend money on technology. And it's so easy for money to go self, so effortlessly into that direction. We're always going to most joyfully spend money on the thing which our heart most treasures. Okay, remember that. Here's our, shep, here's our sharp left turn we're going to take in the message. Here's our sharp left turn. At this point, I think that most people are going to say Habakkuk is right. Right? Habakkuk, you're right. Okay? Economic disaster. Habakkuk, you're worshiping God as you're giving and you're rejoicing. And you're an example. But let me ask you a question. Does that inspire you? Because that does not inspire me. That kind of crushes me to actually to be truthful. When I look at Habakkuk and I look at him standing there worshiping God and having such a great attitude of rejoicing when there's just absolute devastation around him, I look at, my, I look at him and I look at myself and I say, I cannot do that. And I don't know, maybe most of you are in this room are in the same position. That is not humanly possible. That's something that we cannot produce in our flesh. That's not something, that's not an attitude that we could have without the, the factor that we're going to bring up in a second. So here's the option. We can try to be like Habakkuk. We can, we can kind of give. We can kind of, we can do our best. We can give begrudgingly. We can kind of do something because it's our duty. Um, or we can look at, not Habakkuk, but we can look at the Savior that is in the verse that he's talking about at the end of those verses. He said, I will rejoice and I will worship in what? What does it say there? My Savior, right? That's what it says in the English Standard Version. My Savior. And I think when we look at these verses, whenever we look at the Old Testament, we cannot ever forget to try to find that amazing Savior in those verses. Because if we try to read the Old Testament without searching for the Savior and the gospel in the Old Testament, we are going to be crushed under the examples 
of something that we could never produce in our lives. Do we understand that? That's an important point. That's such an important point. Deuteronomy 26, at the end of those verses, talks about gracious giving. And this was Israel's testimony. Let's think with Israel here for a minute. Think about what's happening in Habakkuk's time and in, in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 26. Israel's saying this, yes, we've worked, we've worked very hard. And this is the first fruits. This is uh, what I'm reaping here is, a, is, is just a result of my labor. And I know that this is really a part of our American society where we really, um, we really enjoy ownership of the thing that we've worked hard for. We look at something, we have an attitude about care and caring for something because we've worked for it. And this is the attitude that Israel had. But you know something? This is what gracious thinking and gracious giving was for Israel. Israel said this, I was able to get whatever I was able to get from my labor is because the entire land, and get this, this is very important, the entire land that I am laboring in was land that was given to me by grace. It was a gracious gift. Israel was being called into the promised land. And this was a land that they could not conquer on their own, could they? This was a gracious gift to them. The, is the Hebrews were in Egypt. They were locked in there. They were... They were slaves. They were, there was no way for them to get out of that land. God opened the door and they were released into a promised land. And this is the thinking. This is in, in Deuteronomy chapter 26. This is how Israel was thinking that the, the, the fruits that I have here, I can freely give to God because this land was a gracious gift. God brought us into this land. And whatever we have, we would have never been able to possess on our own. And so biblically, we're not allowed just to give, but to give that gift in connection to the grace of God, okay? Whatever I'm giving, my time, my energy, my resources, my words, whatever it may be, this is where we are looking at the biblical definition of generosity, that it's the gospel we're connecting this gift that I'm giving to the grace of God. And so now I want to just take a right-hand turn right into the gospel here. And this is where I want us to, this is where I think it's going to really uh, empower us to understand the grace of God. And let's look at, um, let's look here at, at um, Luke chapter 19. We see the story, Zacchaeus, he's a short man. Uh, he is small stature. And just think of the situation that he was in. He was a man that was, he was really hated by both sides of the system. He was a tax collector, right? Uh, he was hated by the Jews because every time he would show up, people would cringe. They would think immediately of their debt to society or their debt to the government, right? You ever get a letter from the IRS? What's that feeling that you feel even before you open the letter? It's that sense of debt or owing or it's not a great feeling. And this is the feeling that Zacchaeus portrayed when he was around people. Then on the other side, he was also hated by the Roman government because 
He was just a bad guy. He was a guy that had just a bad job. And he was not a man that was easily loved. And so from both sides of society, he was really not loved. He was a lonely guy. He was also short. He didn't really have a lot of power. And he had kind of maybe a complex about his height. And so here he is. He hears that Jesus is in town. And he starts to move in the direction where Jesus is. He sees there's a crowd. And because of his height, he's not able to get to where Jesus is. So he climbs up a tree and he finds his space. He finds his spot. This is a man that is living the life of anti of ungrace or just he does not understand any sense of generosity in any sense of the word. And so he's by himself in the tree. And I think that this could happen in a person's life. A person can be such a product of the system that they're hated from both sides that there's no friends in his life. He's lonely. And he, the only way that he can find or enjoy life is to find his own spot by climbing into something. And there's a lot of people like that today. There are people today that cannot enjoy their life because their picture of life is taking, taking, taking. This is what I'm owed. This is what this, these people owe me. This is what my family owes me. This is what my kids owe me. This is what this church owes me. This is what uh, this government owes me. And when, when we look at Zacchaeus, we're seeing a man like that. What happens? Jesus walks by. He sees Zacchaeus. And he says, Zacchaeus, make haste. I'm coming to your house today. I'm coming. He gives Zacchaeus an opportunity to give. You know something? Jesus didn't walk up to Zacchaeus first and say, give to me. Jesus went to Zacchaeus, revealed grace to him, connected with him. And he, he was the incarnation of the gospel to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus began to understand that who Jesus was, was more than just another taker or another person that was going to owe him something. Because Jesus, when we look at Jesus, and this is where the gospel shines so beautifully. When we look at Jesus, and you know something, when we look at, when we look at the life we should be living or when we look at the, the, the role models in the Bible, we, we sense that crushing sense of comparison. We need to go back to Jesus Christ and look at him. Jesus is someone who had no bank account. He had nothing. He owned nothing. This is a man that he had all the resources that were greater than the universe because he created the entire universe. Jesus was, uh, he is the Logos. He is the creator. He created it all. There was no lack of resources for him whatsoever. And yet when he came to this earth, he humbled himself because of love. And he had nothing. He had zero. He, the only thing that we know of that he possessed, according to the scripture, was when he was being crucified, he had a robe. This robe was not an ugly robe. Uh, the, the two Roman soldiers that saw the robe understood that the robe was of great value. This robe was something very nice. It was a very nice piece of clothing, something that had probably been given to him by someone that loved him, that was impacted by his ministry, that was just so in, in, in love with the forgiveness that he got, that they got from Jesus and so Jesus had this robe, and they took this robe, and they split it between them, and they cast lots. And Jesus here has nothing. He doesn't have pockets. He has nothing. And he gives it all. He pours it all out. Everything was taken from Jesus. Everything was taken from this man. Everything. And we just celebrated communion, and Pastor Jomi did such a beautiful job explaining what communion is. Communion is when... We celebrate that broken body and that poured out blood for Jesus Christ. 
Everything is taken away. And yet, what does Jesus say on the cross? What is Jesus' confession on the cross? Does Jesus say, I'm out of here, this relationship, I'm not getting anything from this relationship? I'm out of here. I'm going to hit the road. God, you didn't come through. And by the way, not only did Jesus, because in the past in Jesus' ministry, he had, he had nothing, but he had the Father's love and he had communion with the Father. He had, he had the presence of God. He had the, the fellowship, the one-on-one friendship, the love relationship that he had between him and his Father. And yet at the cross, not only was his robe taken from him, everything was taken from him. The presence of God was taken from him when God turned his back to his son because of this Romans 8 verse 3, he became in the likeness of sinful flesh. And Jesus here has nothing. And so what does he say? Does he say, does he say, I'm done with this? I'm disappointed you disappointed me, God. No, Jesus says, my God, my God. That's beautiful. My God, my God, my God, my God. This speaks of intimacy. We see a man that has poured out everything. He's living in a very evil time like we see with Habakkuk. And he's at this point where not only is he pouring out and giving everything, but he's doing it in worship and he's doing it in praise. And he's saying, my God, my God. Why is he doing that? Why is he so intimately speaking to God like that? Because of love. Because of the joy that was set before Jesus Christ. Think of that this morning. When he was on that cross, he was thinking about you. Every one of you. He was thinking about your life. He was thinking about what you were going through. Some of the trauma that you faced. Some of the, some of the betrayals. Some of the successes and the joys. He was thinking about those moments. Jesus and his deity had you and, my, you and I on his mind. And that was because of love. And he gave it all. And when Zacchaeus began to grasp the love of Christ... Something in his very little world. You know, somebody who's selfish lives in a very small world, don't they? They count everything. And, and there's nothing can, be, nothing can be spared because it's accounted for and I'm controlling it. Zacchaeus was that kind of a man. He lived in a world of much control. And when Zacchaeus began to grasp that he was saved by grace, he looks to the Lord and he says, I'm going to give 50%. I'm going to give 50% of my money away to you, Jesus. Because he understood the grace of God Jesus became his treasure. Jesus became Zacchaeus' treasure. I love that. Zacchaeus is going to look beyond what was required to him by the law, which was a 10%. And he's going to look beyond that. He's going to say, I'm going to give more. And then he said, and anyone that I've wronged, I'm going to give fourfold. And guess what? If you read this, and I think it's at least in the English Standard Version, it's in the present tense, meaning that Zacchaeus wasn't saying, I'm going to do this. He said, I'm already doing this. I am already giving. I'm already going. I'm already doing this. There's a time frame that we see a relationship that Zacchaeus has with, with Jesus. Because he is, he is showing us that we're always going to want to go past the thing that we see and to really love and to give to what we really love because that's where our treasure is. And it's going to, caught, and it's going to be something in our life that is going to, we're going to have to be stopped from giving. We're going to be in a place where where we're going to be not counting, but thinking great privilege. Think of this for a minute. Think of a, something that may have happened in your life that was such an act of the grace of God that it created such a desire to give. I remember we were coming back from the Ukraine. We were missionaries in Ukraine for five years and Poland for four. 
And we had come back. We were married for five years. We had married five years, and we had maybe eight bags to our name. Three of those bags got destroyed on the way home back to the, back to the States. So we had five bags after five years of marriage. Really, you know, great. And we got back. We had no car, no nothing. No credit history. <laughs> Zero. We were like immigrants. I felt like we were immigrating to the States, you know. And um, it was just such a unique, unique, unique experience we had lived. I had lived overseas for 10, 11 years. I just remember having nothing and just thinking, wow, you know, trying to apply for a loan for a car. They're like, Mr. Moore, we don't know where you have been. You're 31 and there's zero credit history. <laughs> you know, like, okay. I just remember this helpless feeling. Have you ever felt that way in front of the system? The system's like this looming thing with teeth and there's just no way you're going to get past it. I remember somebody gave us a car. You know, it was just an old Buick 1986 station wagon. The thing was a boat. Probably could fit more people than today's minivans. And it was like, it was such a great car. It was so awesome. And somebody gave us that car and they, they paid for it. They fixed it. They got it on the road for us. And they're very good friends of us. And we drove that. And every time I drove that car, do you know what I thought? I thought, grace. Grace. You know, this is such a gift of grace. Every time I got in the car, it was just joy and and worship, and I just thought, but it didn't end there. You know what happened? I remembered that there was someone in our church that, just a beautiful man of God who was just a servant, and at that time, not a real high-profile individual. And him and his wife really had laid their, down their life for the gospel, lived for God, and they just had poured into so many people, but never talked about their needs. And I just remember God putting it on my heart that Buick I had sold and gotten a Toyota Camry, I think it was, an older version. And I just remember driving into, God had started to bless us with a business and something that we had been given. And I remember pulling into the parking lot and this guy was there in the parking lot and God spoke to me so clearly, grace you have received, grace give. And I thought of this other verse, he that has sinned much, loved much. And I thought, I've been so loved and I've been so graced out of my life and I knew that he wasn't going to take the car so I went to his wife and I said you know something God really and I talked to my wife about it first I didn't oh I didn't talk to my wife okay. <laughs> point number one make sure you talk to your wife <laughs> but she was good with it I think I don't remember what happened but selective memory here and I just gave the keys to his wife I said, you know something I know your husband really needs this you guys need you guys are and God has blessed us and you know something we were able to give something better than we had received because grace, and I hate to use myself as an example. I'm just thinking of this story. And you know something, when you receive something, and it happened a few more times, God had blessed us. And you know something, when we get graced out, and I'm going to finish with this, when we get graced out, guess what happens? You and I become a vessel of grace. And this is the main point. If you remember anything from this message, remember this, that when you and I understand that the land that we live on, the house that we live in, the, the cars that we drive, the job that we have is all but grace that we could have never, ever acquired this, that we at that point understand that I don't own this. This is not mine. And that yet, and, 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 and we can't stop there because we say, oh, I should give this away. Then when, when the word should comes into the picture, we're functioning outside of grace. We need to say at this point, I said, it's my joy. Zacchaeus is like, I will give fourfold to everyone that I've ever offended. I will give 50% to you. I will give you, I will give you half of my goods, Jesus. I'm reminded of a story, a priest and a farmer. Maybe you heard this story. I don't know how true it is, but I thought it's a great example. 
a farmer had a cow. Cow could not get pregnant, and finally the cow got pregnant and had two, two calves, twins. And this, 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 this farmer is so happy, he goes to the priest. He said, the Lord has blessed me. I've gotten two calves out of, out of, just my, one, what, out of, out of my, my cattle that couldn't have any babies. <clears throat> and he said, I will give one of them to the Lord. I'll give one of them to the Lord. This, one of these calves I will give to the Lord. In two weeks, I'll bring him to you when he's, when he's ready. Two weeks go by. The farmer goes to the priest. And his face is really downtrodden. The priest said, what happened? He said, he said the Lord's calf died. this is the way we so easily approach this is the way I can approach so easily giving when we understand it's all by grace guess what happens it just flows out of us and we become a vessel an agent of grace when grace has shaped us when the grace of Christ has shaped us we live so radically and we live so joyfully with so much privilege such a privilege for me to live and to give and to serve because the land and everything that we have has been such a gift of grace. And this, these resources that we have become a vehicle of the grace of God. And this is generosity. I'm not telling you to give. It's not the point of the message. You be led by God how you give. We don't talk about giving here. I, know, I don't talk about money because this is the Lord's work and it's much bigger than money. I'm just saying that let's not live like Zacchaeus in a very small world that we control, that in the end we find ourselves very lonely sitting by ourselves in our little controlled world. Let's let Jesus come into the picture and say, I'm coming to your house to visit you and I want to change your life. And let Jesus come in. And whatever you do with your life, let Jesus be in the midst and just be so graced out by the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. If you're going through a very dry time right now, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Just keep going through it. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ because you know something that's going to change. It's going to change. And even though there may not be no harvest and maybe there's nothing to rejoice about and to say, hey, this is great. My investments are doing great. We can point at Jesus Christ and say, Jesus is in my life. And it's all by grace that I have anything in my life. How many of us feel that way this morning? Amen. Amen. Let's pray.